notice some of you have your evaluation forms. If you need help with any uh, adjectives to describe my ministry here today, I have some like scintillating, mesmerizing, breathtaking, you know, anything just, you know, just in case you needed any help. So, <laughs> all right, how, how many of you feel you, you have the attention span for, for something else? <laughs> Very good. Well, if you feel like you need to kind of lie down on the floor and soak, I understand. <laughs> I was just at a conference last week and I had, we had, I don't even know how many days I was there. It went on for an eternity, but it got to a point where I couldn't even take in another piece of information. So I understand how it feels. So what I want to finish with talking to you guys about today is a topic that I've been thinking about for Um, really the last year and a half, and in some ways I've been thinking about it for years, but I've not thought about it with this particular describing word. And the word is vulnerability. And uh, did somebody just go... (laughs) That's how I felt too, when people use... (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's funny because I was telling you guys at the beginning how I never used to cry. Have you noticed how, how... how often I have shed tears during these times together. And I want to tell you what an offering that is before the Lord. You know, God has really, really changed me. And I have a ways to go like we all do. But, you know, there have been some hurdles, especially over the last 10 years. You know, I have, um, my brother passed away, as I told you, and my dad and my mother passed away. So they were all, by the time I was 38, my entire family that I grew up with, my nucleus family, was all gone. And um, I've really learned a lot about um, allowing people to be my family and a- allowing myself to need people. And it's amazing how the Lord will use everything to bring us around. And the good news is my mom responded to an altar call for salvation before she passed away. So I will see her again. My dad, um, I was able to fly over to the UK and um, visit him when it became clear that he was going to die. He got a very kind of ferocious onslaught of cancer and it was all over very quickly. But um, he, my dad was a, you know, a self-confessed atheist. But the last thing I said to him, um, I had shared the gospel with him many times, but I got right in next to his ear and I said, Dad, when you feel your life slipping away from you, you call out on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. So, and the last thing he said to me was, I'll see you again. So I'm uh, believing that's prophetic, right? (laughs) So, um, you know, you don't know what's going to come your way on the journey, but you do know that God will always be with you. And one thing I've learned is that, um, you know, in this life we will have trouble, but we can be of good courage because God has overcome the world. And he that is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And I'm not talking to you today as somebody who's not tasted sorrow because I have, but I know there is a greater joy and the Lord is so faithful So the definition of vulnerability, as it's found in the dictionary, is the quality of being easily hurt or attacked. 
Well, that doesn't sound like any fun, does it? (laughs) The quality of being easily hurt or attacked. And so, you know, when I think about that, I think that sounds like an undesirable thing, a scary thing, or a difficult state to find oneself in. But what we're going to look at today is how the scripture teaches that vulnerability is actually as much about exhibiting strength as it is about embracing weakness. That vulnerability is the way of Christ himself. And I am fully convinced that without vulnerability, we're not even living the Christian life. Brené Brown, who is a therapist who speaks on this topic, says, vulnerability is at the core, the center of all human experience. I taught this in our church uh, several months ago, and somebody had a baby. No one has a baby for me to borrow. But I took this little one-year-old out of the arms of his mother, and I didn't know if he was going to cry, you know, because the the baby didn't know me that well. It was a new family. And I was just holding this little baby, and I started to talk about, you know, this child is vulnerable to me. I'm strong enough to break this child. And how much more vulnerable... Can a picture can we get than a newborn baby? A newborn baby is vulnerable to us, the community. But the center of human experience, and as I was holding this little baby, I said, one day this baby might hold me. Maybe one day this baby will help me get on the toilet. And maybe I'll be vulnerable to this baby one day. And so vulnerability is, is at the core, the center of human experience, the, the fact that we are at risk and at need with one another. The book of Genesis provides us with a portrait of vulnerability for God's original design for all human interactions. And you will be familiar with this, where Genesis um, 3, I think, verse 21 It says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken out of man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. You know, to be naked is to be vulnerable. It's to risk someone taking advantage of your self-exposure. In fact, nakedness is more than just skin deep. It is an expression of our most intimate selves. And the first relationship that took place between two humans was characterized by nakedness, by self-exposure. It goes on, Genesis 3 and verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And it struck me, you know, when I think about that story, 
you know, I'd love to see the action replay in heaven. Like, what did that really look like? What did it mean for them to realize they were naked? And when I really gave this a lot of thought, I came to my own way of explaining it or my own way of understanding it was that Adam and Eve were completely at home in the garden. They were totally at home with God and they were totally at home with one another. And when they ate that fruit, all of a sudden they didn't feel at home anymore. And I think that the applying of fig leaves is something that they did and something we do today to deal with the feeling we get when we don't feel at home with someone or somewhere. Do you know what I say when I say you feel at home somewhere? And then sometimes you go somewhere and you don't feel at home, right? God made us, the original plan for humanity is that we would be at home in this world. And the nature of the fall propelled us into an experience where we no longer felt at home in this world. And I started to think about the kind of things that that we would use as fig leaves. You know, sometimes, you know, if you feel a bit, don't feel at home somewhere, what are some of the things we would do? You maybe want to go refresh your lipstick, (laughs) you know. There's things we do with how we look. There's things we do with our accomplishments. There's things we do by bragging or name-dropping or whatever it is we do to try and deal with the feeling that we're not feeling at home. But vulnerability is all about becoming at home with who we are and revealing that to other people. Vulnerability is about becoming at home with who God made you to be and then being able to show that to someone else. And for me, one of the things that um, I remember as a child, I would say the most common expression that I encountered from any adult was this. Shh, Stephanie, shh, keep your voice down. Shh, shh. I had a really loud voice, and I actually, I think it's modified a little bit, but people who've known me for years just laugh about this because, you know, you go into a library and when you go into a library, everyone knows that you be quiet except Stephanie who misses the subtle like everyone else is, hey, guess what? <laughs> you know, shh. And um, the other part of it is, is that I talk a lot. So I have a loud voice and I talk a lot. And somewhere, you know, throughout growing up and even becoming a young woman, I just learned to feel like embarrassed about that, a little bit ashamed of that. And then, of course, there's all these really stellar scriptures from the book of James, you know, people who talk a lot, sin more, and the unruly member of the tongue. And you start to think, oh, I'm doomed. I'm one of these people that talks a lot, like I'm bound to sin, you know. And one day, the Lord just uh, spoke to me, and he showed me, you know, in, in, in my imagination, a picture of this beautiful sunset. And I could see the whole, all the nuances in the sunset, like the, the pale blues and the pale yellows on the outskirts, and then moving in towards the kind of coral colors and into the um, oranges and those little streaks of rust, and then that fuchsia streak that goes right through the middle with all the little tinges of blue and silver. And I was just looking at this, and I was thinking, oh, you're so clever, God. Look, look what you do. And the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, by the way, see that big, bold streak in the middle? 
He said, that's what you're like. And just look at the picture there. That has its place. And he just said to me, Stephanie, you are never going to be quiet. And you are always going to stand out. You're never going to blend in. And I didn't make you to blend in. <sighs> you know. And it's funny because people, people will often say to me, oh, you just seem so free to be yourself. And it, some of it really came out of that, that I am just more at home with myself than I've ever been. And being at home with yourself is what vulnerability really is. This is who I really, really am. What you see is what you get. We see, I love David, and, and we're just going to have a zip through a quick portrait of David's life because David was a man after God's heart. And David was a man who was vulnerable with God. He was vulnerable with people, and he was vulnerable unto his destiny. And then we're going to look at how Jesus was the same way. And we're going to do that in 13 minutes by God's speed. I might have to take an extra five, okay? If you need to leave, you can. So the first question we need to ask ourselves and and we look at in David's life is, what do we do with God when we mess up? You know, Adam and Eve went and hid somewhere and then put fig leaves on. But with God, in your vulnerability with God, how do you handle it when you've sinned, when you've messed up? And in Psalm 51, David says this, and I think this is uh, verse 2, Brenda. David acts this way when he's messed up. He's, um, you know, had the affair with uh, Bathsheba. He says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. When David messed up, he totally admitted it. And vulnerability with God is based on our ability to really admit when we've done something wrong and to do it quickly. In 2 Samuel and chapter 24, David yet again is going to be disciplined by God. And I won't read the scripture, I'll just remind you of the story, but David has kind of sinned where he's become prideful and wanted to take a census of Israel. And he knows he's going to be in trouble. And the the prophet comes to uh, David and says to him, look, you're going to be disciplined by God and you're either going to get a famine, you're going to get your foes pursuing you, or you're going to have a pestilence in your um, land. And then it says in verse 14, then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us now fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hands of men. And so God sent a pestilence on Israel. You know, David was vulnerable to God even when it was hard, even when he was being disciplined. I love that about David. We see, I'm moving really quick here, we see David in his relationships with other people. David made an active choice to remain vulnerable to the threat of Saul and didn't murder him when he had the chance. Vulnerability is about tolerating people that don't like you. You know, like here's something for you, newsflash, some people are not going to like you. Have you ever met someone and you just feel instantly they don't like you? Have you ever had that? You know, I, I'm, I think I'm an extreme person. So my general experience is people either really like me or they just really don't like me. And that's how it's always gone. And it's, 
that's just part of life. You can't get bent out of shape when people don't like you. But vulnerability is about coping with that. It's about enduring that. It's about allowing that to be a part of your realm and not trying to snuff it out, not trying to run away from it. David was vulnerable to the criticisms of Israel and to the contempt of his own wife because he worshipped in an undignified manner. You know, David's wife didn't like it when he was, you know. She fell in love with a man in king's robes. She fell in love with the great warrior of Israel who slayed the giant. And now he's out in the common priest's clothing doing a dance on the streets. And she just hated him for it. And David made himself vulnerable to that kind of contempt. My husband is really good at being vulnerable and I've actually learned a lot from him. And before we ever were romantically involved, we'd all gone on this leaders retreat. We were on staff at the school of ministry. And Scott and I had both just been asked on staff at the school. And so we're sitting there in this meeting and the uh, Stuart and Lindley Allen, who were the leaders of the school, are saying, so how's everyone feeling about you know the upcoming school? And people are going around, oh, I feel great. What do you feel like God's saying? And some people are giving great prophetic words. And it came to Scott turn and he said well guys I'm just going to be really honest I mean I look around this room and I know why every single one of you is here you're all amazing and he said but I cannot escape the feeling that Stuart and Lindley made the wrong choice when they picked me because I just feel like I don't have what it takes and you know the whole just something cracked open in the room and then everyone else started maybe admitting their fears the second time around, by the way, because everyone's gung-ho at first. And my husband just has this ability to just be real like that. And and I remember thinking, oh, I would never say anything like that. You know, I, I always felt contemptuous towards him, you know. But there's something about that heart of David. David was willing to show his songs and his inventions to others. And that's not a prideful thing. You know, to show somebody something that you've made and to admit that you think it's good is not prideful. That's actual true vulnerability. You know, if you're a creative person, if you're a songwriter, if you make things, to bring it out and show people and to say something like, you know, this is the favorite thing that I've ever made or I really like this recipe. That's not pride. That's vulnerability. That's being at home with who you are and letting someone else see it. David had meaningful and enduring friendships. 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 1. I'm doing that for Brenda because she's back there like... As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. And then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe. Everyone say, strip the robe that was on him and gave it to David. And his armor, everyone say his armor. And everybody say, even his sword and his bow and his belt. Here's what I want to tell you about real covenant friendship. If you want to have a covenant friendship with somebody, you need to be willing to take off your armor. 
You need to let your defenses down. And you need to give somebody else the thing that can hurt you. He gave his sword to David. It was like saying, I'm going to give you the thing that could kill me. And you don't make those friendships with everyone. But there needs to be somebody in your life that knows the thing about you that could kill you. That's what a real covenant relationship is. That's what vulnerability really, really looks like. Who knows you like that? Who knows you that well? And I'm not just talking about your spouse, because I think that can be easy for some of us, but is there somebody who knows the things that could hurt you? Is there somebody who knows what you look like under your armor? That's covenant friendship. We find this all the way through the New Testament, you know, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, on and on. James 5 and verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Another translation says, show your weaknesses to one another that you may be healed. Vulnerability is about showing someone else your weakness. And for some of us, that feels terrifying. And I find that I'm like 60% there because there are people that really, really know me apart from my husband. There are other people in my life who I think should really, really know me, but I'm slightly terrified of. Is anyone with me? One step at a time. As long as we're moving forward, we're doing okay. Okay, so we see David with God, with others, now with pursuing his destiny. Here's an important key for you. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor and put a bronze helmet on his head. This is when he's going off to fight Goliath and clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk because he'd not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these for I've not tested them. So David took them off. You know, in fulfilling your destiny and doing the thing that God's asked you to do, you need to be yourself. You can't try and copy someone else. David didn't even bother trying to put on Saul's armor. He didn't bother trying to fight with that stuff because it just wasn't who he really was and it didn't fit. He had to fight the giant as the person he really, really was. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from a brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and the sling in his hand. You know, David was a shepherd and he led as a shepherd and he fought as a shepherd. David won the battle by being who he really was and using the tools that were really, really his. And I think that's the thing I think that's the thing I've really learned. I think that's one place where I feel like I I can stand on this and I can tell you I know what it is to just accept who you are and just lead that way. Like I, Scott and I are both really silly people. Like we're really um we're just kind of silly. Like I have maybe uh, an hour 
limit in any staff meeting or any serious meeting we're trying to do where it's like the hour clock goes and then I just turn into silly person you know and I'll start dancing around the room and just start acting really goofy and I've noticed that that has developed a culture in our church of fun and silliness and just being who we are has made our church a healthy place And, you know, whether you're parenting or whether you're being a friend or whether you're in work, learning to be who you are will actually shake freedom into the environment around you. And it will give people the courage to be who they really are too. Okay, I am going to, I've, wow, I've gone through this quick. I am going to show you, I'm going to skip over a bunch of stuff, but I am going to show you in, in one passage, how Jesus did all three of these things. He was vulnerable to God, his father. He was vulnerable to his friends. And he was vulnerable to his destiny. And let's look at this in um, Matthew 26 and verse 36. This is Jesus in Gethsemane. Do you know that the word Gethsemane means oil press? Isn't that beautiful, Jesus, the little olive? You know, the the Bible talks about how your children will grow up around your table like tender olive shoots. Jesus was the little olive of the Father. And here he is in Gethsemane going into the oil press to be crushed. Oh, so rich. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. So here's a little, here's a little helpful hint on vulnerability. Please note that Jesus left the nine and took the three. And what that tells us was Jesus was not completely vulnerable with everyone. He knew how to pick the ones to be closest And a life of vulnerability doesn't mean you show everyone your pain and you show everyone your cards. It means you can be selective because Jesus himself modeled that in Gethsemane. And he began to be sorrowful. See, only those three saw that and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And here's him being vulnerable to them. Stay and watch with me. This is God saying, I need you. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. He was vulnerable to God. This is a distinct picture of putting yourself in a place where you are going to be hurt. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, a second time, he went away and prayed, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, but your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again. And then he went away again and prayed a third time. And then he came back to his disciples and said, are you still sleeping? Hey, I need you. Guys, wake up. I need you. Even when someone let him down. And I think that's where my downfall is sometimes. Sometimes I can be 
Like, oh, I'll show you I need you. I'll ask for help. But if you let me down, we're done. I know some of you are the same. I won't ask you for help again. That is not what Jesus modeled. You know, if that was me at that point in Gethsemane, I would have been like, okay, Father, we have a big problem. I need another three years to train another 12 guys because these guys are useless. There's no way I'm leaving things to them. They're not mature enough. You know, I would just have shut the whole thing down. But here is Christ modeling breathtaking vulnerability. I don't want to do this, but I will. I, I yield to you. Hey, guys, would you help me? Oh, okay. Hey, guys, I really need your help. You know, can you watch with me? Can you pray with me? And then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. He was vulnerable unto his destiny. What an amazing God we have. And let's remember what happened next. That Jesus was stripped naked. And the nakedness of Jesus is the solution to the nakedness you fear about vulnerability. Jesus became naked so that you wouldn't have to feel naked. He became naked so we could be clothed in his goodness, in his protection, in his honor. His nakedness empowers you to be vulnerable. He paid the price so that you could have the courage to be at home in this world and even to be at home with one another. And I had this, um, when I was a little girl, I really liked the, the film, The Sound of Music, and I just watched it again and again. And um, I watch it every Christmas, and I always have like a full-body meltdown. I just, that movie makes me cry so much. And I realize it's become a bit of a, like a narrative in my life. And, and that song that Mother Teresa sings to Maria, you know, Clive, Climb Every Mountain, that is like my, that is my soundtrack. That is what is inside of me. But that, um, those words in the song where she says, a dream that will need all the love you can give every day of your life for as long as you live. And I want to tell you that this journey of vulnerability, this Christian walk of vulnerability is the dream that will need all the love you can give every day of your life for as long as you live. And that is what you've signed up for. It is sometimes a climb up the mountain. And it costs something because it costs something. And I just want to leave you today that with this, I want to encourage you to take even these keys of coming into a deeper relationship with God as Father, knowing his love as a mother comforts you, and taking those things as ingredients that can empower you to be at home with him, to be at home with yourself, and out of that to be at home with one another. And if you do that, when you are together like this in community, you will provide a home for the homeless. 
And I don't mean the physically homeless, but there are people all over Alpena who are homeless, who live in nice houses, but they have no home. And the eternal God is their home. And the everlasting arms reach out to this community through you ladies and you men who are not here. But it is a dream that will need all the love you can give every day of your life for as long as you live. And that's all I have. Thank you.